Hello, and welcome to Princess in the Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Sawyers, and I'm ready to talk Disney movies past and present. Once upon a time, Hannah and Megan sat down to talk about Halloween Town. I am super excited. I always say I'm super excited, but I always am to have Megan Canfield on the podcast today. Megan, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you know me. Well, I mean, the fact that you're super excited with everyone, I guess, is just an indication of how special I am in this process. So thank you for that. I, for a time, worked at a university in Southwest Oklahoma where I got to meet you. Um, I've since transitioned to another school in Virginia. Um, But yeah, we worked together for several years as part of the program board at a university. Yes. Um, is there anything else you want to share about yourself before you tell how you picked your movie? No, because I think the important parts of who I am as a person will probably become very apparent when we get into our deep dive of Halloween Town and why it resonates so much with me as a person. Okay, sounds good. So let's just jump right in and tell me why you picked your movie. As a person, I love spooky Halloween, not like murder Halloween. And so the movie Halloween Town checked a lot of boxes for 10-year-old me. Um, It's got a little bit of magic. It's got, you know, uh, a young girl who goes on this great adventure and gets to do these things. It's got strong family themes. Um, Again, it's got all the fun, spooky elements of Halloween without knives and people dying. And so I think it just was something I loved so much as a kid. I was never a big Disney princess child. I maybe can count on one hand the number of Disney movies I've seen in the theater. I've never been to a Disney park. And so for me, as a kid watching TV, Disney Channel original movies were really what I saw and what I associated with Disney movies. And so I think that's why most of the suggestions I had sent to you were either Disney Channel original movies or uh, D2 The Mighty Ducks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember... You said, hey, do decomps count? And I was like, 100% because mostly because I want to do high school musical. And if I say no decomps, we can't have our Zach Efron as Troy Bolton, I know which I know like, you love so much. I know we're in a similar, I think we're both millennials. I was just, I was just a smidge couple years too old for high school musical. I didn't yeah. get it. And now the college students I work with, they love it and they think it's so retro. And I was at a oh. silent dance recently and they were all singing along to a high school musical, musical song. And I just, I don't know the words. I mean, I was late high school when that came out. So yeah. by that point I was already done watching Disney channel original movies. Um, and so I just, I'm sorry that I missed the boat on that one for you. It's totally fine. So let's talk about what, what happens in this movie. Tell me about the storyline. Yeah. So the overarching kind of plot is that, Marnie Cromwell is this 13-year-old girl, and you know this because she tells you several times that she is 13 years old and almost an adult, practically an adult, Um, but she lives with her mom, um, her little sister, and her little brother in just a standard town somewhere in, I assume, the U.S., Um, and she is really into spooky things and Halloween and loves it, and her mom is not about that life because I guess Harry Potter has not made it to this town. Um, (laughs) Halloween... Grandma Aggie comes for a visit um, and kind of swoops in and creates chaos for a couple hours and lays some seeds to Marty to maybe maybe think have her think that she's special. And there's something a little off about her and her love of all things weird and Halloween isn't strange. Um, and so she ends up overhearing her mom and grandma have a conversation and, and finds out that she's going to be a witch or if she doesn't start her training as a witch by 
the stroke of midnight, her powers are going to be lost. And so it really validates all these feelings that she's been having. And her and her brother and her sister end up um, following their grandma back to Halloween Town, where grandma is from and mom is originally from. And um, through, you know, a great adventure, ends up saving the whole town and rescuing everybody and really finds out that it's okay to be special and that um, your family can be a great ally and that there's a little bit of magic inside of her and all of us. I think that's really good. Like you covered almost everything. So I mean, I did watch the movie like five hours ago. So yeah, Still it was great. Noodle. It's right there at the front. Uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous because I've got some episodes that I was going to record and then like it didn't end up happening. And so I've already watched the movie and I'm like, can I even like do the podcast? But most of them are movies that are like, I've seen them a thousand times and I didn't really even need to watch it the first time. Um, but since you have just watched it, what are some things that you forgot? Was there anything that you forgot? Um, I've seen this movie since, you know, it first premiered a handful of times. It's probably, it's easily the Disney Channel movie I've seen the most. Um, if it's on during Halloween season, I'll like look through Disney's kind of catalog and see if it's showing. And if it's, you know, if I'm around, I'll have it on in the background. So I've seen bits and pieces of it a lot throughout the years. Um, there aren't really any major plot points that I forgot but it's been a long time since I've sat down and really watched the whole movie start to finish. So nothing I really forgot, but one thing that definitely jumped out at me as I was kind of watching the credits and I had never paid attention to before was the music, which is by Mark. And I think it's like mother's ball. Maybe is how you say his name. He was in like Devo, but he's really well known now for doing the scores to a lot of like movies and TV shows. Um, he did like Rugrats and rocket power and um, a lot of like 90 shows he was in charge of the score for. And so when I could hear like the bouncy kind of fun mm -hmm. Halloween elements of the opening number, I was like, yes, like this tracks, this is childhood. This is exactly what I remembered. And so it kind of kicked up some nostalgia for me, which made me really excited to watch it again. I, when I put the DVD in, you know, the DVD music starts playing or whatever. And I was like, man, this, this is a really good song. And then as I watched the whole movie, I was like, man, this soundtrack is really good. Super um, 90s, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, and very, like, spooky. Like, I don't know. It's like a fun Halloween like soundtrack fun. without being, like, yeah. full of, like, ghost noises. Yeah, or screaming people. And it's not know. the monster mash, so it's all good. <laughs> so it's automatically better. Um, one thing that I forgot, and I really only think I've maybe seen this movie one other time, I think the thing that I had forgotten was that that whole like movie theater scene when they walk in there. I remember like when I saw it, I remember thinking, man, this looks a whole lot like the Vasco, which is a dollar theater where I grew up. And I don't know why I equated it to there because as I watched it now, I was like, that theater is way too small. There's only like five rows. Did you notice that? There's only like five rows of seating in the movie I'm theater. Sure the, the set probably wasn't very big. And it also kind of made me pause because, you know, Grandma Aggie – part of her big story about why she wants her daughter and the family to come back to Halloween town is because she's so worried because there's this great evil that's spreading through the town and turning her neighbors mean and evil and they're disappearing. And then we get to see the theater and there's like six monsters in there. And it's <laughs> like, how do you, A, how big is Halloween town? B, yeah. like, how are you even noticing? But yeah, it was kind of a much smaller theater um, than so, what maybe would make you think. But I do love, and one of the things that I kind of noticed a bit more on this rewatching is how many pop culture references there were. So like as they're getting ready to walk into the theater, Grandma Aggie says something like, you know, oh, I just love watching um, It's a Wonderful Death here. And so <laughs> they have like little things like that that kind of yeah. tie it to 
this actual world. Yeah, and that it's an actual thing uh, or like an actual theater in an actual town. Some of the other thoughts I had on the storyline was that this is a decom, and I really think it should have been a feature film. Like, even though there are those cheesy, like, Disney Channel moments and, like, that set wasn't that great. But, like, I felt like it was a feature film story. What I did mean, you think? If you, look at, if you look at the runtime, it clocks in at only 84 minutes. So this thing is in and out. It's plot. Let's go. There's not a lot of wasted time in the film. We're constantly, you know, we're, we're setting up the, the family dynamic quickly on. And then we bring in Aggie with the conflict and the reason why we need to go to this place. And we immediately go to this place. And for me, the film feels like it kind of drags the most in the middle a little bit um, after Aggie and um, the mom Gwen are frozen in time. Spoilers. Um, the, the kids have to then run around the town and complete essentially like the scavenger hunt to find things to make a potion. And that's kind of where my attention tends to waver a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, it's a pretty like quick film. It, it's in and out and it's on. And I guess with 40 minutes for commercials, which I'm so glad I got to watch this on Prime and didn't have to sit through commercials. But <laughs> yeah, it's pretty trim as far as the film yeah. goes. One thing that yeah. made me laugh was at the opening, Marnie's friends, like one is also dressed as a witch and then one is like a full-on clown. I was like, what? <laughs> Co- the costume department did this old girl dirty. Like what Like what 13-year-old was dressing like that? Even yeah. in the 90s. Like, yeah. really? Yeah, like that's Poor a girl. four-year-old costume. Her two lines and her clown costume is what she's best known yes. for, I'm sure. But... I mean, they're 13. They're practically grown-ups. Marnie says so herself. One thing I really liked about this movie was that there wasn't a guy that came in and, like, saved the day. Like, it was very much, like, we're all going to do this kind of on our own. And even when the guy is, like, flirting with Marnie, like, the whole, like, any romantic essence that's typically in any movie, even if it's just, like, a playful boyfriend-girlfriend thing or whatever, that really didn't exist in the movie really at all. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah, Disney Channel movies love to do, especially for like young protagonists who are like 13, 14, 15, they love to kind of have that first and feature that first like romantic kind of interest. And I think that's what Luke was set up to be for Marnie. And it it feels like a lot more in the second film, which I know we'll talk sequels and stuff later, but he's kind of set more up as like a friend versus like a love interest. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he tried to have that whole bad boy thing go about you and she was just like no thanks dude I'm good like you're a douche and I'm, I'm done yeah I really like that okay we can talk about characters now um so obviously there's Marnie Sophie Aggie Gwen Joey the mayor I think that's pretty much the main ones wait you're making a face I am making a face I don't think his name I think the actor's name is Joey I don't the brother is that who you're talking about yeah is that not his actual name spoiler alert I'm gonna look it up on IMDb really quick I can't break it blinking on his name that's where I got it's it Dylan, from Dylan is his name Dylan uh, is his name fail. Joey's the actor's name it's okay hey you know sometimes you're just not paying attention and you look it up and you look it up wrong because that's what I do when I create the list that we name off I go to IMDb to make sure like I don't miss I'm like a major character that I'm just not thinking of I mean, and Benny so I guess your character, but that's okay. Benny and the taxi cab driver, which I have a story about that later, but yes, I don't think he is he listed on IMDb since he's not he, an actual. He was a robot. Spoilers, and there was like a guy who did the voice, but okay. Benny, Benny the the skeleton taxi driver has a special place in my life. Gotcha. Okay, who are your favorites? So you can talk about him now if you want. 
Yeah. Well, Benny's not really a favorite, but I'll just tell a story. Whenever Benny turns kind of evil, he gets a little scary. And I watched this movie with my little brother, who's about five and a half years younger than me. And as kids, I would tell him that the creepy bone driver was going to come get him in reference to (laughs) Benny when he's evil. And if you ask my brother now, he'll tell you he wasn't afraid. But I know that I kind of traumatized him a little bit with that. And so I, I regret it, but not really, but a little bit. Like, just just enough to like feel bad driver <laughs> that's great okay so then who are your favorites oh marnie for sure i mean um again as i said earlier i was 10 when this movie came out and marnie was like 13 or 14 13 um and so she just is what i wanted to be um she was probably way into more obscure things than i was as a kid um but i definitely and still love kind of you know weird things and paranormal things and i listen to like podcasts about cults and and fun stuff like that and lore and so um just the fact that she got to have some kind of cool interests always really I really liked and we shared a lot of the same things and she was always really protective of her siblings which you know probably she didn't tell them that Benny the taxi cab driver was gonna get her <laughs> but she still protected them and so I think I think Marnie really resonated with me even now rewatching it um initially I was kind of annoyed at the mom poor Gwen but as I'm older now, I'm like, oh, she makes some valid points. Like, you know, grandma just comes sweeping in and creates all this chaos and tries to disrupt everything and then just sweeps away. And mom's got to deal with all this stuff and trying to, you know, distance herself from who she was and, and this new life she wanted to create. So um, Gwen, I think also I, there's probably more of Gwen in me than I want to admit. Yeah. My favorite is Sophie. I just think she kind of represents all that's right with littles. Like she just trusts she can do anything and she does with so with confidence. It's not like, oh, look, I'm going to try and open this lock. I don't think I can, but I'm going to try where she's just like, I just thought about it. And then they push the door open and there's the frog sitting down there. So I just I really like her. Everything she does, I feel like she's just, I don't know, so confident even though she has no idea what she's doing. And I think that's where Marnie kind of struggles a little bit is that she knows she doesn't know what what she's doing. And so she second guesses herself. Um, But even like when she was saying the, I don't know what the right, the spell, I guess. uh, Yeah. 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 And she's just like, I just made a song to help me remember it. And Marnie's like, what is it? What is it? And she's like, here it is. And I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. And so Obviously, she makes me think of how little kids just really believe they can do whatever they want, even when it comes to kind of dangerous things and whatnot. Because, like, I think at that point, for the most part, no one's told them they couldn't. I think Marty's probably feeling a lot of pressure of, like, this is the last chance. Like, I have to start. I'm I'm so far behind. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Sophie is just starting to get her powers. But, you know, her mom hasn't really hidden them from her yet. Or no one's told her that, you know, you're not allowed to go down this path. Whereas Marty's got that. And then, you know, once her mom and her grandma are in peril, it kind of all falls on Marty's shoulders. And so I think she's feeling a lot of pressure to perform and to be the older sibling and to take care of everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she's also, you know, as you get older, I think the world just kind of stamps down your creativity and so we're of course Sophie's like I thought of it as a, a frog and it happened like, yeah I think if Marty had been younger she may have also been able to do that but yeah life and Dylan have just made her such a realist now in in yeah. some aspects that she she doesn't have that fun careful childlike nature about her that 
Sophie still exhibits. But yeah. also, how did Sophie get on the bus? That is like a huge plot yes. hole that has bothered me for years. But I guess I have to like let go and, and get over it. But yeah, like, I wonder if she just. Bus? I wonder if she just wished herself on onto it. Would that work? I don't know. It, it's I and you know they I they may go into more of the magic of Kunta family, but they've never really exhibited like um, teleportation powers. It's more like levitation and, right. and things like that. So I think we just have to maybe Sophie magic. She got on the bus by magic. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but I will say um, Debbie Reynolds, Grandma Aggie's entrance, just chef's kiss, like just so cool with her flowing down and the camera. They shot a lot of close up on her face. I guess they were hoping to get a lot of reaction shots from her in various ways, but um, yeah, her entrance is fantastic. Yeah. I, I loved her too, obviously. Um, I'm so bad at transitions, like super bad. So it's always like this super awkward, like, okay, let's talk about. And so anyway, okay. I can do this. I can set this next transition up for you if you'd like. Go for it. Okay. So let's, if it's okay with you, Hannah, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes from the movie. Because I, the part that always made me smile was, um, it's towards the beginning of the film when Sophie's starting to exhibit some of her powers and she can levitate things. And Gwen notices this and is trying to protect Sophie. And so she like steals this cookie that Sophie's unknowingly levitating and like shoves it in her mouth. Like that part just kind of makes me smile. And it's just like, that's, oh, mom, like classic. Like, what are you doing there? But it's not my favorite moment from the film, but I want to hear yours first. And then we'll talk about like my favorite. I, golly, I can't really decide. I really love this whole movie. I really liked the part when they were like collecting all the things and they're in the salon and yeah, and she's just blowing the uh, blow dryer, which is really like a flamethrower. And he just goes and like whacks the hair off the back of his head. And I just think that's really funny. So I don't know that that's necessarily my favorite moment but I really like it no my favorite moment is when the mayor like pulls the lollipop out of his ear to give to Sophie and Sophie's like nah I'm gonna pass because <laughs> as he was doing that I was like oh that's gross and then she like basically said the exact same she was like uh nah pass and so I thought that was really funny um my favorite moment in the whole movie is just kind of towards the end and like the big fighting climax when um you know, the Dylan gets so impassioned and he sees that there's such a wrong and he starts to want to fight and he's no longer, you know, denying that this is happening or pretending that he's not a part of this family. And, you know, the little sparks of magic kind of come from him and mm-hmm. he ends up, you know, going and joining his sisters and his mom and his grandma and, and protecting the town and fighting against Calabar. And so that moment and that like transition of Dylan and the shot of, you know, all five of them just kind of standing there arm in arm chanting and, and, basking in the power that is their family that part I think is definitely my favorite part of the whole movie yeah I mean that's that's like the classic moment of the movie I really think even though it's not my favorite moment like that's the moment you look to and you're like this is when the movie like is all like this is when it's all coming together and when Marty's like fighting to get the to get the talisman inside the pumpkin and you know she's climbing up the thing and Calabar blasts her with whatever his superpower is and you know she's like fighting through it and she wants to do good and she has the voices in her head telling her that she can't do it and she's like no like I got this and she happens to drop the talisman perfectly and of course it lands superhero style um like that moment of like how Marnie's a fighter and is trying to save and do good I also love that part too I think also maybe why I I loved Marnie as a character so much as she was she's a fighter yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about some of the quotes from this movie. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote, or at least the one that I use most often, would definitely be like, Halloween is cool. Um, it's been my Instagram caption for the past two years whenever I post on Halloween. Because I have this one of my, my true loves in life where I have these three long-sleeved t-shirts that look like Christmas sweaters, but they've got Halloween stuff on them. And so I always take a picture in the Halloween one on Halloween. And my caption is, for the past two years, again, been always been like, Halloween is cool, Marty Cromwell. Um, but there's a couple of other really, really good ones. Um, I do love on the um, pedestal of the big um, pumpkin, it says, Halloween Town, established long ago. And then, of course, whenever um, Grandma is talking to Marnie and, and the kids and, you know, explaining Halloween Town and how it's made of monsters. And she's, you know, you can't always tell what's in a monster's heart just by looking at them, um, which is always a really great message for everyone to hear. Yeah. Debbie Reynolds really has like so many good lines in this movie. And my favorite like grandma advice one was uh, being normal is vastly overrated. I just thought that was, again, a really great message that um, everyone needs to know. First off, no one is normal. Everyone's got something weird about them, whether you're a witch or a warlock or you know, a regular person. They don't really, do they have a word in this movie for what regular people are? Is there a muggle human, word? Human. It's human. just human. They call them human, yeah. Okay. Um, and then one of the lines I really liked that was more of a funny one, she's talking to Gwen and Gwen is like packaging the leftovers and she says, here you are putting everything in plastic bowls when you should know that chicken tastes better when it's back on the bone. And then she snaps and the it's a live chicken just standing in this Pyrex plastic bowl. And I just thought that was funny. Um, so you already said you use the quote, Halloween is cool uh, as uh, frequently. Are there any other quotes from this movie that you use? Well, now that I've seen it again, I'll probably will through the next month. Incorporate it. Through, through October. Um, I did find out today that Kimberly J. Brown has an Etsy store and she has like lots of t-shirts and stuff with lots of quotes, including your one about being normal and mine about Halloween being cool. So I may have to treat myself 2019 to a t-shirt from Miss Kimberly J. Brown's Etsy shop about how go. cool Halloween is. Yeah. Doesn't everyone need a shirt that says that? I think so. When it comes to sequels, there's obviously Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Sure is. And then the third one is Halloween Town High, right? Yes, yes. Okay. What did you think of them? I've never, I don't think I've ever seen either of them. Oh, Hannah, there's another one. I know. It's called Halloween Town, Return to Halloween Town, and I have oh. not seen it. <sighs> I do not know these people. I've never met these people, and other I will never meet these people. But apparently, for some reason, they decided to recast Marnie, and they brought in Sarah Paxton nothing against her but she's not marnie so i didn't watch it so i have no idea what happens in return to halloween town i don't care in my opinion there are three but return <laughs> calabar's revenge also a very good film much darker than the first one um essentially the, the kind of quick and dirty plot about that one is um they've made transportation between worlds a little bit easier um you don't have to take a bus anymore but there's kind of a big portal and um it turns out surprise calabar had a son <laughs> who who um, kind of wreaks havoc in in the mortal realm and in Halloween. Um, he goes into the mortal realm and kind of casts a spell, and there's this big dance that, like, Gwen and, and the kids and stuff are all at, and it turns everybody who's wearing a monster mask into that monster because he kind of used it as 
um, not an homage, but a, a way of making fun of the monsters who live in Halloween Town. And so to complete his dad's work, he um, turns everyone kind of essentially into like an evil monster. Um, and so that's kind of the plot. And of course, you know, Marnie and Luke help save the day. Um, Luke gets much more handsome, ugly prosthetics. So <laughs> he's not as crazy looking at the end. Um, but there is a part in there that I don't know why, but I think about it. No lie. At least once a month, they go and visit a troll who is a hoarder. And um, essentially Marnie accidentally says a spell that turns him into like this clean freak. And then they like, can't find something. They're looking for a missing spell book. I think it is. Um, and they can't find it. And the, and I don't remember if it's which word makes him a clean person and which one makes him back into his messy self, but it's like trappa and apart. And, Almost every time I say the word apart or someone says it, I think trappa. And I don't know why <laughs> my brain has made that connection, but it has. And then the third one is that Halloween Town um, is doing an exchange program. And so they send a couple of older ghouls and goblins and trolls and mystical creatures into the human world to go to high school. And so they have to disguise themselves to look like high schoolers and, you know, all the crazy hijinks that ensue. But I do know that there's a lot of people who were in Hall who were in a high school musical who were in end up being in them. Halloween Town High, but I've definitely seen that one the least amount of the three. Um, okay, but yeah, they're they're pretty fun. Um, again, I don't want to throw shade on the fourth one. I just never will mm -hmm. see it in my life. <laughs> so, were you happy with the storyline, or would you have preferred that there not be any sequels? Look, I know it's all about the money and whatnot, <laughs> so it's fine with me. Um, I love the second one. Calvar's Revenge is great. Halloween Town High is okay. By the time I saw it, I was really old, by older, and you know, like middle, late high school, and so it, it, it had more of a nostalgia factor for me then. I wasn't as entranced with it as I was when I was 10, um, so it was like, a, oh, this is fun kind of thing, and definitely whenever the last one came out, I was didn't watch Disney regularly anymore, um, so I have no problem with them. I think they're great. I mean, if Disney wants to keep redoing them, I would probably watch it as long as they bring back Kimberly J. Brown. Otherwise, uh, i Yeah. Do you know, it obviously hasn't been remade other than like it being recast or whatever, but uh, do you know if there's any books based on this movie or if this movie is based on a book? Do you know? I have no idea. Okay. Um, and I mean, if it is, I think that's fantastic. I haven't heard anything, but I also am not Googling Halloween yeah. Town. <laughs> you're not, like, you're not consistently um, looking for that information on the internet. But yeah, I think the movies just as they are, are fantastic and a great way to celebrate Halloween. If you are a person who likes spooky or if you've got little kids who are just kind of getting into like what that means, um, I think it's just a, a perfect way to celebrate the holiday and celebrate the month. Yeah, I, I just, I think I texted you in all claps and said I love this movie because I really don't know the last time I saw it and I really loved it it was so good I'm glad there... I reintroduce that to you yeah are there any other thoughts you have about this movie that really didn't necessarily fit in this format that you want to talk about yeah I made like three pages of notes so let me comb through my notes really quick and okay say, yeah um you had mentioned you know a part of kind of what I forgot about I forgot about um the the two-headed guys at the butt the two-headed man at the bus stop and kind of their funny little arguing and um, how the broom salesman was very like Elvis like. And so yeah, uh, they really worked to kind of give some minor characters some real personality, um, which I enjoyed, but you know, the big questions again is how does Sophie get on the bus and did 
you know, there's a Jerry Springer reference and the like I liked the little bubble bubble toil and trouble that was on her microwave. microwave. I guess that was. That was so cool. Yeah. Um, but just also like, did Grandma Aggie write this book? Like, is this an existing book? Because it didn't seem to be like an encyclopedia. It seemed to be a storybook. Yeah. So, like my other thing is like, what's the deal with the book? But it again, you have to just kind of take it for what it is. It is an 84 minute movie from 1998. Don't be too deep. Well, I kind of thought like she had the book made, you know, like how you can get books made or whatever, mm-hmm. where I guess she could have created it just by being magic. I don't really know. You know, at the mummy owns a bookshop in Halloween town and clearly writ, writ drew it for her. She's like, Hey, I want to tell this great story to convince my granddaughter that she needs to come live here away yes. from all of her friends and family. Yes. So I don't know. Anything else? You know what? I think we have done an amazing deep dive into this treasure of a movie. I'm so glad you joined us for this week's Princess in the Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Princess in the Podcast, as well as on Twitter at Princess and Pod. Visit our website, princessinthepodcast.com. I hope you live happily ever after. <laughs>